you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. We're so glad you joined us today. For more information, including service times and locations, please visit our website, compassion.cc. Now here's this week's message. I'm struggling today, so you'll have to help preach with me. Somebody said I sound a little bit like Batman. I just wish I got paid the money the Batman got paid, right? I keep that going, right? So good morning to our first-time guests. I'm so glad you're here today. Welcome to this crazy family here at Compassion Church. We are honored that you took time out of your schedule to be here today. We are one week, we are one, we are less than one week away for our Christmas program. Just so you'll know, yeah, come on, put, put your hands together for the Christmas program. I want you to know that we've been practicing, we've been praying, we've been preparing, we are waiting. We have been praying over the prayer cards that you turned in, and we've been praying over staff that that the people that you invite to this Christmas program this weekend, they will find Jesus. But you got to invite them. You got to bring them with you. You can't just say, hey, go go hear about Jesus and not bring them, right? You got to come with them. Come set set with me. Invite them, bring them, go by, pick them up, set with them, whatever you got to do. We have a saying around here also that we will do anything short of sin to to see people saved. We'll do whatever we got to do. So here's I'm going to challenge you today. This is my challenge to you. Here's what we're going to do. We believe in so much about this Christmas program. It's this Saturday coming up, this Saturday coming up. We will have a program at 6 o'clock and 7.30. We have a program Sunday the 17th. We'll have it at 10, 11.30, 1 o'clock, and 6 p.m. Plenty of different varieties of time to come to, to bring your family, to bring your friends, to bring your coworkers, bring the kids, bring everybody. You don't want to miss it. As you see, the set's getting set. It's getting ready. And uh, let's give it up for the people who've been working on this. Joe has just knocked it out. Graham, those two guys, a couple other guys, man, you guys are knocking it out. And we're getting prepared for this. But here's what we're willing to do. Like I said, we'll do anything short of sin, sin to see people come to Jesus. Here's what we're going to ask you to do. Whoever brings the most guests, brings the people, the most guests to to service, you get them to fill out one of the little VIP cards, the little cards that will be in your seat next week. They fill that card out, put your name on it that you brought them, and turn it into a VIP tent. We will give away a gift card to you to help you out for Christmas. Some people not excited, so go ahead and invite people, bring it in, and you can put my name on it. I'll just tell you, we'll just do it that way. We just, want, we just want to be you to be so excited about bringing people to your church to feel the love of Jesus here and give them the opportunity. So we said, why not? Let's knock this out of the park and say, man, if you'll bring them and they'll sign a card and put your name on it, I promise you we are not going to harass them for very long. But uh, it is, no, I'm just kidding. We won't harass them. We just will let them know that they're loved. But that's what we're challenging you today is continue to invite people to the Christmas production next weekend. Tell everybody about it. Bring it out. Let's make this Christmas production, this Christmas season, let us, let's make it the biggest one attended yet in the history of Compassion Church. Come on. Can we do that one? It's that time of the year, presents and gifts, man, giving and receiving. It's it's exciting time of the year. Uh, let me see what kind of people I got in here today. How many of you like to give gifts? Anybody like to give gifts? Okay, how many of you like to receive gifts? Okay, so, man, not as many people like to receive them, so that's okay. 
How many of you, uh, how many in your family that on Christmas, uh, Christmas morning, do you open your presents on Christmas morning? How many of them do Christmas morning? How many are Christmas Evers? Like, hey, we get it all done on Christmas Eve and it's all over and we sleep in and we just tell the kids whatever we want to tell them, right? Just in case there's a kid in here, I'm not going to spoil anything. I'm, I'm stepping back here. Um, but if you had them in kids' church, I'm just plug for kids' church, I would talk. But anyway, um, are you the kind of people who, um, do you, do you buy presents that people want, like your kids make a list and you go buy that? How many people in here do that? They make a list, you go buy what they want. Or are you the kind of people who buy, buy gifts that they need? Like it's that time of the year, once a year you buy socks and underwear. You're like, oh, underwear time, ching you know. Hey, that's what I'm giving for Christmas. It's a need, not a, don't, don't judge the other people sitting around you, but that's what happens in some lives. So when I was a kid growing up, um, we would get gifts from the grandparents and my grandparents, they all tried their best, but they, they didn't have much. They were really poor. They, were, they didn't have money. They were farmers. They were sharecroppers. Uh, matter of fact, the house they, they lived in belonged to the person who owned the farm, the farmland, and that was part of the rent that they would work that land. But my grandparents, they would, would buy them multiple packs of tube socks for all of us kids. Y'all know those? Yeah, had a big ring around them. Somebody's pulling up there, look, I got them on right now, you know. They'd pull those out. But we, we, we would get just one pair. They would buy a pack of six and divide it between all of us. And they would wrap it up, and they'd split them. Maybe, maybe every once in a while we would get a Hot Wheel car, and they would take a big pack, and they would split it up. And, you know, here's the thing. It wasn't much, but it's all they had. And it was wrapped with love. Today we're going to spend a few minutes talking about the Christmas story as we know it and we call it the birth of Christ. And then we're going to talk about the gifts that he received. And I hope it, it brings a new uh, revelation you, to you today. Maybe you'll look at this scripture like you've never looked at it before. But we're going to start with Matthew chapter 2 verse 10 says, When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. My question to you today is, what gifts are you bringing to the king? Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. We thank you for your spirit being here. We pray, Lord, you would just bring it alive to us. And it would change our lives, and we would not be the same way today as we came in here. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, I like that little amen there. So Matthew chapter 2, as we look at Matthew chapter 2, it gives us a very rich account of, of the birth of Jesus Christ. It gives us a different account that nobody, none of the other Gospels give us about him. He actually, Matthew introduces us to some characters, uh, some different figures that we don't see in the other Gospels. We get introduced to King Herod. That's one person we get introduced to. And the second, uh, second group of people we get introduced to is the wise men. So I'm going to talk just a few minutes because I want you, us to all understand these characters that, that Matthew introduced us to. So we will understand how this looked. And so first, the first person we are going to be talking about first is King Herod. He was not a very good guy at all. King Herod was not a good man. He was all about his kingdom. He was, um, that's the reason the scriptures, it shares with us and tells us when the wise men arrived, if you go back and read the entire Matthew chapter 2, you go back and read it. When the wise men arise, arrived to Jerusalem, they went throughout the town asking everybody, hey, here, where's the king of the Jews? Hey, where's the king of the Jews? And whenever Herod, Herod heard this, he didn't like it. He was not happy about this because he wanted to be the only king is what he wanted to do. So he wanted to squash this. He wanted to protect his kingdom. And he knew that the Jews we're looking for a king to come sit on a throne. And he was not going to be taken over. 
In Matthew chapter 2, verse 3, it says, When King Herod heard this, he, heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. So not only, King, not only Herod was disturbed, but many people in Jerusalem were disturbed because these foreigners, these people from away, these people from far off, come asking the question, where is the king of the Jews? Herod had nothing but contempt and little regard for life in general, for human life. He especially didn't like the Jews. He, he, he wanted to remove anyone that could challenge him. Herod in history, when we go back and you read history about Herod, Herod was a very evil man. He was so evil that, the, that it tells us that he, he murdered his own wife. He murdered his own three sons. He murdered his mother-in-law. He mur murdered his brother-in-law, and he murdered his uncle. Some of y'all think you got bad relatives. This dude was a bad man. Not to mention Herod was so bad, he was so bad that because of the possibility of this king of the Jews would threaten his throne, he had all the male children in Bethlehem and the vicinity. Now, what you got to realize when you go read that scripture and go read Matthew chapter 2 is they knew that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. So this man was so bad, he said, I'm not going to just kill the babies in Bethlehem. I'm going to kill all the babies in the vicinity. So that would be like us saying, okay, we're going to kill all the babies here in Wichita, but we're going to go even further than that, just in case we're going to go the entire county of Wichita. That's how bad this man Herod was. Matthew chapter 2, verse 16 says, When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, or wise men as we call them, he was furious, and he gave orders to all the boys in Bethlehem and to its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. So King Herod, he was very disturbed. So he was sent for the wise men, the Magi. He sent for them and said, hey, come, come meet with me. Because he had already met with all of his chief priests. And he asked them, where is this king of the Jews supposed to be born? And they were like, oh, I'm Bethlehem, I guess. And they, they just didn't even care because they were looking for a different king than what was expected. And so he calls the wise men, and the wise men come to him, and he secretly tells them, I want you to go find this baby Jesus. I want to go, you to go find this king of the Jews and come back and tell me, and I'm going to go worship with him. And clearly we see in Scripture he lied, and he was lying about this. This man was a bad man. So when we start talking about the wise men, I just wanted to set up what, what Jesus was born into. Jesus was born into a situation where people were looking to kill him from his birth. People were looking to do away with the Savior from the time that he was born. Aren't we glad they didn't find him? Amen? So when we start talking about the wise men, when we look at the wise men and we look at the manger scene, probably many of us have manger scenes. You see it out here, probably at your home. You see where there's a, a little manger with baby Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, a shepherd, and probably how many wise men? Three. That's not necessarily correct. There's not necessarily correct that three wise men came. Because what we see about the wise men and the little that we know about the wise men, they were, we can see that they were very rich, rich men and they were probably uh, traveled in a caravan. But they did give three gifts. And today we're going to land on talking about the three gifts that the wise men gave to Jesus. Because those three gifts that the wise men gave to Jesus was a foreshadowing of who Jesus is to you and to, you, to me here this day. So what we know about the wise men, probably, more than likely, we know they traveled a long distance. We know that. They came from the east. 
We, they know, we know that they were educated because them being educated because they, they studied the stars and knew to go there. They also were educated because they studied the prophets and they understood that there was a king of the Jews coming and they knew where to follow the star to go find him. We know that they were wealthy because the gifts that they gave were very wealthy gifts. They gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These gifts were valuable. They were also incredibly practical. Because if you go back and read Matthew chapter 2, whenever, whenever God showed up in a vision to Joseph and he said, hey, get out of here because King Herod is sending people to kill your son. Get out of here and flee to Egypt, which is prophetic. They packed up and moved. And how did they move if they didn't have money? And so these gifts were even in the right time. And so we're also looking, not only are they incredibly practical, but they're deeply symbolic and dip, deeply spiritual. Each gift that they gave him represents for you and for me. Before we even jump even farther, I just wanted to set up what the stage looked like for the Messiah to be born to you and for you and for me. I wanted to set that up so you see what he was born into. But I also want to tell you, if you go back and look at Matthew chapter 2, before the wise men ever opened one present, before they did anything else, they bowed down and they worshiped him. It says in Matthew chapter 2, verses 11, it says, On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. These men of stature, these men of probably respect these men of wealth they came to find the king of the jews and they bowed down and worship him what gift are you bringing to the king in your worship are you worshiping him when you come in here what gift are you giving we always look at the three gifts gold frankincense and myrrh but the first gift they gave him was worship let me challenge you today every time you come into the house of the lord bring worship Every time you walk in and say, the first thing I'm laying down to you is my worship. That's the first gift that I'm giving you today is my worship. What gift are you bringing the king? The first gift we talk about, we want to talk about is the gift of gold. Throughout history and even to this very day, gold is very valuable. Gold is very, very, it is fit for a king. And that's what's amazing. It was fitting, fitting that gold was the first gift that they gave him because it represented the kingship of Jesus Christ. It represented him being a king because that's what you would give it to a king in those days. First Timothy 6 and 15, it says, for at, for at just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and one, only almighty God, the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. He was given gold because it was his kingship, because he was lifted up before all people. He is the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. Jesus is not just a person that was born here on this earth. But he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus is the supreme authority. Over all the kingdoms of all the world. He is a king like no other. He is not like the Herod king that was worried about his own possessions, worried about his own own kingdom. See, some people in that day, when they read the chief priest, the reason they dismissed this is because he should have been born uh, in a kingdom. He should have been born in a palace. He should have been born with riches. He should have been born with luxury, and he should have been born with comfort. That's the king that they were looking for. That's why Herod was threatened by hearing that the king of the Jews was amongst him. See, although 
He was the king of kings. He didn't come to this earth wearing a crown, an earthly crown, a crown of royalty. But what he did come to this to earth do, he wore a crown of thorns for you and for me. He didn't come to this earth, uh, where, earth on a throne, but what he did, instead of sitting on a throne, he was getting prepared for a heavenly throne to sit there so he could intercede for you and for me. That's what the King Jesus did. That's what his kingship did for you and for me. No one expected a king to be born in poverty. He was born into poverty. No one expected him to be born among cave in near animals, near a manger. They didn't expect a savior and a Messiah to, to be the son of a, of a carpenter from the that city of Nazareth. There's actually an, even a scripture where it says, what good can come out of Nazareth? Nothing can come good out of Nazareth because it was rejected. No one expected a king and a savior to befriend prostitutes, to touch the lepers. No one expected a king to love the rejected. No one expected him to love the outcast. They never expected the king of king to choose under uneducated fishermen, despised tax collectors, and rebellious troublemakers to follow him. If there is anybody in this house that identifies with that, put your hands together for Jesus. The ones that didn't put their hands together, you're lying because I know you. You're a troublemaker by just sitting there and not putting your hands together for Jesus. No one expected the king of kings or the son of God, the Messiah, the king of the Jews, would forgive a woman caught in the very act of adultery. Instead of stoning her to death like the law said it was supposed to do, instead he said, forgive her, let her go. No one expected him to resurrect a dead man because he was a friend. No one expected him to rebuke religious leaders and feed the multitudes. No one expected the king of Jews, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, your Messiah, a baby that was born in a manger to do all that for you and for me. That's the reason gold was so important because it showed that he was the king. No one would expect a king to be riding into the city on a donkey instead of the best finest stallion to be celebrated. I want to set up a picture for you, for you to understand what, what the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords did for you and did for me. When, he, when everyone else expected him to take a high road, he took the low road so he could reach us. No one expected the king to stand trial for crimes he didn't commit. Back in those days, they, they, would, they would have a, a patsy, if you would, if they would get in trouble and that person, all the guilt would go to that person. But instead, he stood firm and said, I'll take all of their sins onto myself. I'll take all the guilt onto myself. No one expected a king to be beaten with a cat of nine tails to where his insides became his outsides. No one expected a king to be stripped naked and his beard pulled out and his face to be spit on. Them to mock him as he walked down a road with his own cross on there to be crucified for your sins and for my sins. That's what a king did for you. That's what a king did for me. No one expected a king. He could have called legions down and not been on that cross. He could have called away and said, I'm going to sit in a palace. But no one expected him to be on a cross and say for you and for me, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. 
Some of you may be saying today, this is not a Christmas story. This is an Easter story. But they all go hand in hand together. Because if he didn't do the first, he couldn't do the latter. It all wraps up together as a package for us. Just as the wise man gave the, the presents to the king. It's a gift of honor, that gold and the kingship is what they gave to him. Our king is giving us the gift of unconditional love by laying his life down for us. This was the gift given to us. The gift that was demonstrated for the forgiveness of our sins. This is the gift that he called us as believers to give out to others. The gift of forgiveness, the gift of unconditional love. There's no merit on our love. There's no, there's no level to our love. We've got to forgive people no matter what they have done to us because that's what the king did for us. He gave us a gift wrapped up called no excuses. We have no excuses. There's no limitations on your life. It's the purest of all gifts of forgiveness. It's the purest of all gifts of loving you and loving me. That's what he gave. He said, here, go do likewise. My question to you, what gift are you bringing? The second gift we look at is frankincense. Before we talk a lot about frankincense, I'm just going to tell you right now, I don't know a whole lot about it. There may be some of you essential oil gurus out here. Special for you. But I'm just telling you, I just did some study about it, and that's all that I know. All my research says that it's an oil, and it possesses an antiseptic, astringent, diuretic, digestive, sedative, deuterian, vulnerable therapeutic properties. You know what that means? I have no clue. That's what that means. It does a whole lot of stuff, but it's frankincense. But here's what I will tell you. I will tell you it's very expensive, and it helped heal the sickness. It helped heal sick, and it treated wounds. But when it came to what the priest did with it, frankincense, the oil, is the priest used it to sacrifice to burn the incense that would make smoke that would rise up to the heavens, symbolizing the pray, that they are praying the prayers of the people rising in faith up to God. So they would, they would light the incense as, our, as a symbol of our prayers rising up to God. This, this frankincense actually represents Jesus as our high priest is what it does. Jesus is not just our king, but he is our high priest is what he is. See, in scriptures, the, the priest, the primary role of the priest was to represent the people to God. So let's put it in practical terms. That would be like me, me, only me being able to represent you guys to God for asking for forgiveness of sins for you, uh, asking for your needs, asking for your healing. It only comes through me to God. That's it. You don't have your, you got to come to me. Somebody say, you should absolutely say, oh Lord, we in trouble now. Oh, listen, I'm not offended either because I know some of y'all would be coming to me going, I need you to pray for my arm. It hurts real bad. And I forget in the middle of the day, I'd be like, Lord, heal their eyes, heal their eyes. It's bad. You'd be like, Lord, man, I need a leg. And something translate. I'd be like, give them an extra leg. You come back to church next week. You got three legs coming on. What happened? That's how, that's the priests were the only people who could reach God according to the way this happened. See, the high priests one time a year would take an innocent, innocent animal and sacrifice it to represent the forgiveness of people's sin. After sacrificing the animal, the priest would go behind the veil in the tabernacle into the Holy of Holies. Then the priest would light the frankincense 
And this smoke would rise burning to the heaven, which represented our cries out, our cries to God for, for mercy. And the priest would sprinkle the, the blood of the animal on the mercy seat. This would symbolize the death of an innocent one in place for guilty ones. The payment for your sins. That's how it used to be. But it was a temporary payment for people's sin. It was actually known as the Day of Atonement. See, the purpose of this is because God is holy and he's just. He is a holy and he is a just God and he is a merciful God. And God, because God cannot bless sin, he can't have any part of sin. So let me hear you today. If you're asking for God to bless your sin, he will not bless your sin because he is holy. But he is also a just God. And that just God said, here's what I'm going to do. I should pour my wrath out on them, but instead I'm going to make a scapegoat for them. And so he made that scapegoat by, by having those animals sacrificed. Because he's a merciful God, he extended by that sacrifice, it extended the mercies. See, that was what was in the old covenant. That's how they had to get their sins forgiven in the old covenant. But let me tell you today, because of Jesus and the sacrifice, him being our high priest, we don't live under that old covenant anymore. We live under a new covenant today. See, Jesus became our high priest that frankincense was that of a high priest. They were giving it to the high priest, the atonement, the one who would die on the cross. It was the atonement that was made once and for all. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11 says, under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest, say high priest, Offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for our sins. Good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. So it's no longer temporary. It's no longer a temporary covering. The high priest is there. It's a permanent covering if you ask for forgiveness of your sins. Just as frankincense has a healing property to those who need it, who are sick. We are all sick with sin. The gift of frankincense, it actually reminds me of a scripture. One of my favorite scriptures is Luke 4, 18. It says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. And this is Jesus saying this out of the prophets, but he's quoting this because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. This is the gift of frankincense. This is the gift that he's given you and given me. He's given us the gift of a good news. He's given us the gift to proclaim freedom to people who need it. He's given us the gift to break chains when people need them broken off their life. He has given us the, the gift to tell people and help them see him in a light that they've never seen him. He's given us the gift to help people be free from burdens and battered. There's people carrying weights that they don't need to carry. And our high priest sets up to next to God and says, here's my children. I'm interceding for them. Are you interceding for someone? What gift are you bringing? The third gift was the gift of myrrh. Many people don't know a whole lot about myrrh. I didn't know a whole lot about myrrh. 
but it's a valuable gum kind of like substance. It could be used as an, an antiseptic is what it could be used as. As an example, if you look at Mark 15, whenever Jesus was hanging on the cross and they went to give him uh, myrrh and vinegar, I believe it, they give it to him to numb his pain when he was on there. But he refused it because he refused it. And he said, I'm going to take the whole weight, all the weight of this sin of all my people that I love. I believe Jesus on the cross could see you and see me. While he was up there, he knew that we were here. He knew we were going to be the future carrying his love and carrying his gospel. But most commonly, instead of an antiseptic, most commonly, and we can see it through scriptures, that um, myrrh was actually used for embalming. So we got gold talking about his kingship. We got gold laid down at his feet talking about his kingship. Frankincense, he becomes our high priest. Isn't it amazing to you? It was amazing to me that I think about this, that here this baby, this now probably around two years old, this baby sitting on his mama's lap, and what they bring him is myrrh, and that myrrh represents a death of a king. He was born to die for you and for me. The gift of myrrh represents Jesus as he is suffering, a Savior who was born to die for the forgiveness of our sins. Here at the birthplace, they bring him that gift of myrrh, which is foreshadowing of his upcoming death. The Lamb of God would be slain for the sins of the world, for you and for me. Jesus, Jesus actually prophesied in Luke 9, verse 22, it says, And he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. He knew it was coming. He knew it wasn't going to be easy. Matter of fact, he, he even asked, he said, man, if there, God, he was praying, he was praying to his father and he said, if there's any other way around this, take it from me. But your will be done. I'll do it if I need to. A little baby in a manger being brought gifts, knowing he was born to die for you and for me. Once you and I understand the gravity of the child Jesus born in a manger, once we can visualize the, him, once we can see that he was born in a manger for your sins and for my sins, and he was, he was grown, he, he grew to love us and didn't even know us. Once you and I understand that, that the child Jesus in a manger, the Savior, the Messiah, the Redeemer, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the high priest that we need. Once you, once you realize that, that flesh, his flesh, he became flesh to forgive us of our sins. We'll get a revelation that this thing isn't a hobby. We'll get a revelation that this thing isn't just something we do because it makes us feel better about ourselves. We'll get a revelation that, that, that this just ain't something we do on Sundays. When we realize he was born to save us, what gift are you bringing to the king? 
I continue to ask you this question today because I want you to, to stop and realize what gift are you bringing? What gift do you have? What gift is inside of you? I'm not talking about monetary. I'm talking about there's something inside of you. If Jesus is inside of you, you have a gift inside of you. Gifts are no good unless they're unwrapped. You get a gift. If I gave you a gift and you didn't unwrap that gift, you couldn't enjoy what was on inside of that gift. And other people couldn't enjoy that gift. You've been given the gift of Jesus Christ, dying for your sins. Why do you keep the package locked up? You need to unwrap it to share the gospel with other people. Just like the wise men brought the three gifts. What gift are you bringing? Just as gold declared him king, and just as frankincense in the temple represented prayers for others, myrrh, myrrh actually represents embalming. It represents the dead. And so I would say and challenge us to think this way. Is it representing us dying to ourselves? Just like Luke 9, 23, 24 says, whoever wants, Jesus says this, whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. We've got to unwrap that thing that's inside of us. Un unwrap that package. So it will be enjoyed by others. So they will not, it won't be a secret anymore what's inside of us. But everyone will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That everyone will hear that they need a savior. That everyone will hear that he's the king of kings and lord of lords. That everyone will hear that, they're his high that he's their high priest. That everyone will hear that he died for their sins. You are a gift. You are a gift. And some of you don't even know that you're a gift. But you are a gift. Jesus that lives inside of you is a gift. That prayer warrior inside of you, it is a gift. That showing people unconditional love, that is a gift. That reaching out to one's hurting, that is a gift. Giving hope to people, that is a gift. You are a gift. Unwrap the gift. What will you bring to the king? If the gift you give Jesus, to Jesus is all of you, that's all he needs. What gift are you bringing? What gift are you giving to others? Will you bring them to hear about the baby Jesus? Will you bring them to hear about the baby Jesus who died on a cross for them? Are you going to open that gift that's inside of you? Or are you just going to hold it and go, that's pretty wrapping, that's pretty package, that's a great bow? No. It's time to jump into it. Rip that gift wide open and share the love of Jesus with others. Jesus was born to die for you and for me. With every head bowed and every eye closed, If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that is the best gift of all. If you say today, I need to know him as Lord and Savior, I don't know where I would spend eternity. I don't know 
today if I would die where I would be. If you say today, I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I want you to lift your hands. Is there anyone in here that says, I want to accept Jesus? There's one, there's two, there's three, there's four. Is there anyone else in this house that says, I want to accept Jesus today? I see four people. Put your hands together for Jesus. Amen. We are a family here at Compassion Church, and we say this often. And so you said, I want to accept Jesus. So all of us together as your family member, we're all going to pray this prayer together. Repeat after me. Say, uh, Jesus, I invite you into my heart and into my life. Please forgive me for all my sins and all my ways. I repent and ask you to be the Lord and Savior of my life forever and ever. Amen. Put your hands together for Jesus. When you get ready to leave today, there's going to be these little cards outside. There's five cards in here. And what we're asking you to do, take these cards and invite your friends and family to come with you today or next weekend. Come to this, come to the production to hear about the love of Jesus. Bring them with you. You know, take a minute and it's one hour and five minutes out of your schedule next weekend. Jump in, grab these cards, give them to different people. The very next thing we, we do right before Abby comes to make some announcements, I want you, everybody, we've been praying. People have signed these prayer cards and said, these are my loved ones. And we as family, if somebody in here is hurting, we're hurting too. Amen. If somebody in here wrote down a name, we love them too. Amen. So what I want you to do, we want to pray over these cards. Reach your, stretch your hand this way right here. Stretch your hand there. And I want you to stand in agreement with, or you can sit in agreement with me. Just sit in agreement with me right there. Father, I pray over all these cards. I pray right now in your precious name. People took steps of faith to write down these names, to write down their loved ones that need to hear about you, to write down their loved ones to that needed to come to you, the brokenhearted, the ones that were in chains. And we're asking you together. We're standing in agreement with our brothers and sisters in Christ right now. And we're asking you to bring them to you. You said your word, your Holy Spirit goes before all men. And that's what we're asking. Your Holy Spirit brings them and draws them. As we are inviting them to the production next weekend, we pray that you prepare their hearts to receive you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We are so happy that you joined us today. Here at Compassion, we value family, which means we value you. If there's any way that we can be praying for you and believing with you for something, please make sure that you let us know. You guys have a great week, and we'll see you here next Sunday. Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. We're so glad you joined us today. For more information, including service times and locations, please visit our website, compassion.cc.